Where's the record button to stop it? Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool, and I'm joined as always by my brother from another mother, fellow sperm producer, Andy Crow. Oh, okay. <laughs> we did it. All right. Since I read that there's a school district somewhere in Vermont that's no longer using male or female or boy or girl in the school, it's sperm producers and egg producers. So this is a podcast of two knucklehead sperm producers bringing you a 50,000 foot foot view of cultural shenanigans from a Christian perspective. So what's shaking down there in Kentucky, Andy? I'm so thrown right now. It's not even funny. I really wanted to do it with NPR Chad. <laughs> oh, NPR Chad saying sperm producer. I'd have had to mute my mic. I'd have to find the mute button real quick. Cedar is rolling so you- around <laughs> raving right now because she's trying to figure out what's going on. Would my egg-producing dogs. Would you be able to find the mute button? Look, <laughs> I'm going to have a better week this week. <laughs> the mute button I can find is that gum record stop button that I can't find. <laughs> Look, to our tens and twenties of listeners, um, last week I put out a bad effort. My apologies. I just, it was a bad go on my part. So uh, this week, we're going to do better. I feel like like I'm at a press conference, and, you know, I've got the one guy's like, so you really sucked last week. What are you going to do better? I'm like, well, I did suck last week, Jim. Thanks for pointing that out. Is it all just been a waste? (laughs) I, you know, I didn't, I didn't give a good effort. It was a rough week last week. My partner sold me down the river because he didn't edit out my my dumbfangledness. And then, and then I'm gonna. But you be, know what? We're gonna we're gonna move past it, okay, I, Jim? I'm let's gonna focus be, on let's focus on this podcast and not last week. And I'm gonna be AI. We talk about practice. <laughs> we talk about practice. practice. <laughs> we out here talking about practice. Oh, uh, so how's your week been? It's been good. It's been long. Um, having two boys in school, in church groups, and in baseball is a lot right now. Yeah, they're at that season where uh, you and Dr. Wife are basically uh, chauffeurs and executive assistants. Yeah, and I love it. Like, I love being at the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, My oldest had a meltdown on the field the other night. Um, so, and then I lost my cool trying to get him to not lose his cool because I just have a problem with brats on the baseball field. And now that my kid was one, I didn't handle it well, but we got past it. It's fine. He just grounded for a little bit, but, uh, no, I love being out on the baseball field. I love watching their excitement and enthusiasm. I love teaching. There's a, there's a kid on the, on the team. They're like that dude is constantly running, constantly, and he just he wants to learn and he wants to get better. And, and God love him, we looked at right field, and the way he was standing, and the way he was holding his glove, which wasn't the way we taught him to hold it in between plays, but it looked like he was peeing. <laughs> and so that's, we just stood because. We're we're professional looking coaches. We don't go in our dugout. We just stand up against the fence on the third baseline. Um Spit, or the first base, depending on where we're at. <laughs> spitting sunflower seeds and tobacco. Um because it's Kentucky. But uh, all of a sudden the head coach's oldest son who's in high school says, Hey, right fielder looks like he's peeing. And then three grown men in which I know I'm at least not the oldest, um, possibly the youngest, but I doubt it. Just cackling like we heard a fart joke in third grade because my right fielder looks like he's peeing. So good. 
so good. Well, how is it out in East San Francisco? It's uh, holding on by a a thread. <laughs> no, it's you know, Lord it's, come quick. It's it's been good. Church's been busy this week. Uh, it's a lot of ministry stuff, and you know, just doing those things, and you know, it just sometimes the things that they push from the legislature here on the state level just start praying Maranatha. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I do think this, I had a conversation with a couple of folks this week, and I think, you know, and, and it's easy, it's easy in a, in a place like this, you're a little more, and I, I'll say this, I don't think there's a safe place in the country, right? If you're a listener and you're listening, you know, where, where my, my dad lives in San Jacinto County, Texas, right? Where the biggest towns are 1500 people. It's there. It may not be dominating, the culture, you know, the culture, the a leftist culture, anti-Christian culture may not be dominating, but it's there. Um, and here it just seems it's so overwhelming at times that it could be really disheartening. But I think it's a good time to be a Christian. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, I think it's always a good time to be a Christian. But I do think that this is a good season in our lifetimes to be a believer. And I don't know if oh, that's going to be taken as Christian nationalism. I don't even know what Christian nationalism is anymore. Evidently, it's us. It might be. It, it is us. We, we are Christian nationalists. If I'm hearing people we both know, correct, and even people we don't know, we, in fact, are Christian nationalists. I'm not going to say something controversial. I know this is what we're going to talk about tonight, but isn't the Great Commission... Christian nationalism? Isn't Jesus telling us to go make disciples of all the nations? Oh, wait, all the nations except this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can go everywhere Ooh. else, but not this one. Not this one, yeah. We don't we don't want to make disciples here. Because if we do, we might hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> we might. So Andy. I was thinking about uh, some blacksmith apparel. Gotta love blacksmith apparel. I need some. I need it in my life. And and I'm thinking I I I'm I might need to make a little make some contact with the folks at St. Gargano Armory and say, I think we need starter jackets. They don't have to be real starter jackets. They could be knockoffs. But hear me out. Shiny, the like real starter jackets, not from your generation. Shiny not starter jackets. With blacksmith apparel on the back, like we're a gang. I'm here for it. I am here for it. So starter, if you want to resurrect some starter jackets, we're here for that. Bandy, why don't you tell us about the uh, fine blacksmith merchandise, no apparel, but the merchandise at St. Galgano Armory. Yeah, St. Galgano, man, they're great people. Uh, they sponsor our podcast. Uh, shout out to Keith and his crew. Don't hold it uh, against them. Yeah, no, you should <laughs> love them in spite of us. Is in spite the right word? Yeah, in yes. spite of us. Um, awesome blacksmith, not apparel, merchandise. Blacksmith merchandise. We're talking knives. We're talking bookmarks, door knockers. Uh, you know, tasteful hooks to hang on your wall for for coats or, you know, even, you know, bigger uh, artwork and things like that that you hang on your walls. Shut up. I just I'm had a vision of, of Tommy Boy trying to describe the refrigerator. <laughs> it's because I'm fat, isn't it? No, no. We're talking about tasteful hooks that you could hang bigger things. And he's like, you know, you keep beer or water or soda. Hey, I'm fat too. I can't I can't call it. That's the pot called the kettle black. Look, when we get when I get done talking to you, we'll circle back to Tommy Boy because I have a funny thing about that. Um But yeah, it's just it's all it's all veteran made materials. Our veteran-made uh, merchandise that they have. 
Uh, and then he gives a portion of every purchase back to the community. Uh, and I think that's that's the bigger thing. Like, yes, his 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 merchandise is phenomenal made. He puts a lot of time and effort into the stuff. Um, I've I've personally seen him. Um, you know, we we talk, and I, I I'm assuming y'all talk often, and there are pictures shared and things that he's making and and ideas that he has, and just an all around great dude. Puts heart and soul into this. But he's very community minded. Um, you know, we have that in common. We um, ourselves on this podcast and our, our families, I'll go ahead and include them in there. We are very uh, community minded, wanting to give back to our communities, Amen. wanting to serve our communities. Uh, and he shares that heart. Um, so a, per, uh, a portion of every purchase goes back into the community. Uh, so we encourage you to, to give him a look. Uh, Saint Galgano. He's got an Etsy shop. He's on the social medias. Um, I just again, I can't recommend him enough. Great family man. Just a great overall dude. Uh, I am blessed not only to call him a partner uh, in business, but also a friend and a coworker. So it, you know, it it spans the the realm of things. Um, but just a great overall guy. I can't recommend his his shop enough to you. And you can check out the blacksmith merchandise from St. Galgano Armory at etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. That's etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. And you can check them out on Twitter and Instagram at St. Galgano. And check out uh, Keith's post because he has been posting some of the things he's making and and trying out and working through. And some of that's really interesting. I do I do want to get me one of those door knockers always wanted a door knocker i want him to make me one like uh from a christmas carol that looks like the lion head that turns into jacob marley's face i want one why when old... you said a christmas carol did i immediately go to a christmas story and i was like what door knocker do they have on a christmas story but i got you i know what you're talking about now go go ahead with your tommy boy story look so when he did that, when he was doing Saturday Night Live, Chris Farley, he had that bowl cut. You yeah. know, what I'm talking about that haircut where it looks like somebody just put a bowl on. His Tell head me you had one. It. Look, I have to find the picture, but there was an Easter picture. It had to have at least been eight because my sister was born. But I'm in a it's it's up and down stripes. So what is that? Vertical? Yeah, vertical stripes. And there are three of them, and it's like red, white, and yellow. <laughs> Shut up. And then I've got that haircut. And so that is my my family refers to that picture as my Chris Farley picture. Oh, that's wonderful. I need to see that. Um, and if you ever meet my cousin Sarah, um, me and her are more like brother and sister than cousins, uh, just because of how we were raised and brought up. But, did uh, I not? If you do, did I not meet her? I met a ton of your family. Yeah, I, I met a ton I of your remember, family at one event. I don't remember if Sarah was at my ordination or not. It wasn't your ordination. There was another event that I met more of your family than your ordination. It's when you adopted your youngest son. Oh yeah, she was definitely there when yeah. we adopted. When we adopted the the youngin, she was there. So you probably met her. But anyway, the next time you see her. If you go up to her, there's a Tina Turner story, or not a Tina Turner, a Paula Abdul story that Dr. Wife can tell you about that I will not put on air. But if you go up to Sarah and ask her about Paula Abdul or Chris or Chris Farley, maybe, she will die laughing <laughs> and, will, and will move heaven and earth to find that picture. Yes, I need to get this done. So, but yeah, I just, I, and you know, if I, if I thought I could pull it off now, I would do it. Like, I would do that haircut again, but I don't know that I can pull it off. Too many people don't remember who Chris Farley is that day. I don't know. I think there's at least three generations, well, two generations. I think definitely Gen Xers and older millennials who definitely still remember who Chris Farley is. Cause yeah, but these for, kids, they don't under, understand good comedy. Really, junk, I don't know that Tommy Boy... For a junk Boy movie, is, Tommy Boy's a good movie. It's funny. I mean, it's it's trash, but it's it's good. 
Yeah, Tommy Boy and Black Sheep, those two, I think you couldn't make those today. They'd be canceled. Oh, there's a ton of things you couldn't make today. I mean, you couldn't make The Office today. Pretty much any good movie from the 90s. You know what movie? And I got really mad about this. What movie doesn't get the credit it deserves? Die Hard. No, I think that gets plenty of credit. Fern Gully. What? Isn't that like about pixies? Or fairies? It's about... Dragonflies? It's... So Avatar now is just like a modern day souped up version of Fern Gully. Robin Williams... You've uh, look. I need you to watch for, if nothing else for Robin Williams playing the bat. I've never seen Avatar. I refuse because when Doctor Wife and the kids are like, "Hey, you want to watch Avatar?" I'm like, "No, I've seen it. I watched Ferngully." <laughs> Every and then any time and again back to Sarah. Anytime we're driving and you see the orange X on a tree, like where they're going to cut it down or whatever. Yes. We always either walk up to it if we're close and put our hand on it, or we hold our hand out and we're like, "Do you feel the pain?" That's because the that was their thing. They they'd go mark the trees to cut it down, and then the this guy gets shrunk to go amongst the fairy people. This is and a cartoon, Robin isn't Williams, it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it came out when I was a kid, and Robin Williams is a bat that has been like animal tested on, so he's. Like tweaking out hard, <laughs> but you know the guy that's the lumberjack, he gets shrunk down, and he sees the tree, and he's like, "Oh, what's wrong?" And she puts his hand on the on the X, and he's like, "Do you feel the pain?" You have issues. Uh, I, I well, you, yes, yes, I do. Just I preach do. the gospel. And here we go. We're back on subjects. Just preach the word. That's it. Cut out all this well, nonsense. Just preach the word. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So I, I want to ask you oh. something about preaching the word, you know, because you're, oh, you're asking the question. Well, I'm gonna, we I, no, you could ask one. Go ahead. I, I, no. I just I was going to ask you, because right now in this season of you not being in full time ministry um, and as, you know, being more of a, a church member for this season, how important mm-hmm. to you now as church member, Andy, how important to you is is hearing the word preached? Why, or let me ask you this. Why is what's the importance of preaching the word of God to you as a church member? I think me sitting in the pew, me sitting in Sunday school, me sitting in Wednesday night prayer group when I go, you know, I think hearing the word preached, fellowship, fellowship is great, right? That's a huge part of it. We've talked about that on this on this podcast multiple times. You don't just go to church to get fed, right? You go and you fellowship and you, you live life together. But a family that doesn't eat doesn't live. And so if you're not being fed the word, then you're going to starve. Right? And so I think I think going and having the word preached to me weekly, bi you know, twice a week, whatever, uh, I think it's drastically important. Mm. I think I need that because, you know, the job that I have, it, I mean, how many times did we talk this week and I'm just like, I'm at my wit's end because of something stupid a client has done? Yeah. Right? Like, and I just... And so I need to be able to walk into my church. I need to be loved on. I need to love on people. But I need that rejuvenation that comes from God's word. Right? And I understand that God's word isn't all pixie dust and roses. And, you know, it's it's not always happy-go-lucky stuff. There's some deep stuff in it. But, um, but I think, again... I, you know, I'll say it again. If you're not eating, you're starving. If you're not being fed, you're going to starve. And so if you're not being fed the word of God, you know, what are you what are you nourishing yourself with? Mm, that's a good word. So flip the script on that. And so 
yeah, that's the importance of being a believer and, and needing to be fed. But what 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 makes what's the importance of preaching the word as a preacher? So collar up, put your pastor hat on. So let's look at it this way. I just um, realized we have pastor hats now because we both have those international harvester hats from NAM from the North American Mission Board. Those could be our pastor oh, yeah. hats. You're gonna have to start wearing that when you ask me these questions. So let's look at it from a family. You know, I used the the family argument for the last question. Let's use it again. Mm-hmm. Pastor is the you know, Christ is the head of the church, so we we know that. Amen. But like the the main leader, the provider, if you will, other than than Christ would be the the the, the preaching pastor, right? You're providing the the meal, if you will. For your church body on Sunday mornings. It sounds like patriarchy. I wish I could get a thought out without you trying to get us canceled, sir. Viva la patriarchy. <laughs> I think you just did it. All right. Hashtag I did, Dr. Viva la patriarchy. Dr. Wife is going to get me. Um, but, you know, you, you're the one that provides the meal that week. Mm. Right? And you should... There should be leftovers, so they're taking it home, and they're going to go off that for the rest of the week, and they're going to eat on that for the rest of the week, right? Because if you're doing it right, you're you're in the Word at home, and you're doing your own personal study, but you're getting your main course and everything yeah. on Sunday. So me as a pastor, if I'm not feeding you, what happens when you go home? Yeah, and, and to double right. down on that, you, you have a really good point because there's a pastor I know who's out here, Brian Brown in Denver. He, I heard him say this one time that his job, right, our job as pastor is to lay out this buffet table. And there's so many good things on it, right? And there's there's chocolate cake, there's steak and broccoli. And I and look, we have to look, stop you from look. eating. We got to make you eat broccoli. You just can't eat steak and chocolate cake. We got to steer oh, you to eat the good stuff you. too. I was about to say you had me at steak and chocolate cake. <laughs> but you need that broccoli, Maybe. too. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Shockingly, I like broccoli. I like broccoli. And it doesn't even have to have cheese on it, sir. Thank you, Brenda Crow. Anyway, um, but yeah, so as, as me and the, as a pastor, if I'm not laying out this spread for you mm-hmm. to not only eat on Sunday morning, but to be like, well, let me take a few plates home because there's an abundance, right? Yeah. So I can apply what I've learned on Sunday to my personal study so that I can go and not only do my job through the week, but I can live out the Great Commission at work and at home and in the store. And I can go out and I can share the gospel and I can make disciples in hopes to be able to either myself or somebody baptize them uh, and and just uh, throw it out, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. If I'm not doing that, if I'm not setting them up for success, they're going to starve. So me sitting in the pew on Sunday, if if Connor, whom I think the world of, Your if that kid isn't... My pastor, yep. Uh, if that kid isn't up on stage preaching the word, just and, and setting me up for the week, then come Wednesday, I'm pretty hungry. Mm-hmm. I haven't ate. I, it's, it's affected my study um, because I don't have anything to and you know what he's preaching on and what I'm studying, they don't they don't coincide, right? I'm not studying the same scriptures that he's preaching right now. Do you as a church member, do you do you I know this is an aside, do you read do you read the scripture? Like if you're going through a book, do you do you go through the verses that he's gonna preach on prior to Sunday, or do you read them the first time Sunday? So I'd like to tell you that I every week I, I've read through and looked over the scripture he's going to preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't every week, though. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but like, we're going through Joshua. 
Uh, oh, good book right now. Uh, it is. It's a great book, and he's doing he's doing good things with it. Um, and so, um, and he's he's skipping around a little bit. And, you know, he he skipped a chapter, which is fine. Like you do, it 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 makes sense, right? If if you if you're there, it, it makes sense. Um, and so I don't exactly know the exact verses he's going to preach on. Okay, in the book of Joshua. Um, but like, I, you know, I, I try to read through it, but like my study right now, it's not, I'm not in depth trying to read through Joshua. Mm -hmm. Um, actually our Sunday school group is going through Romans. Okay. Uh, I may have cheated last week (laughs) because, uh, I don't remember what, maybe we were in seven or eight. I don't remember which chapter. Um, but, uh, you know, we were reading the verses. The last sermon series I was preaching through before I moved was Romans. And so our Sunday school teacher's like, oh, you know, you know, our, our video said this. What are your thoughts on these scriptures? And I was like, well, actually, uh, you know, uh, and I can't even remember the theologian that I quoted, um, Leon Morris, Leon Morris. So I quoted Leon Morris and then I quoted Charles Spurgeon because we all know I love the Spurge. And then I was like, and this is really saying this, and just went on, and then I was like, all right, I'm done. And then later, our Sunday, that's right, I love that sweatshirt, man. Um, And our Sunday school teacher came up to me Sunday night, and he's like, you know, hey, I really appreciate you just being open and sharing, and, you know, you're pretty knowledgeable and all this other stuff. And I was like, well, I may have cheated because I had my notes with me. Um <laughs> But you know, I'm I'm going back through Romans, um, actually right now and reading through it and studying that. That that was a long tangent. I'm sorry, but uh, just no, saying, it makes sense. Um, I, you know, in a perfect world, yes, I would read through and know the scripture before he preached it. But the other side of that is, I kind of want to come in without preconceived notion of where he's going. Like, I want to be able to hold him accountable. So if I think he's going off the rails, I want to be able to go up to him like, hey, sure, dog, I, I don't think that, that we're on the same page and let's talk about this because maybe I'm wrong, maybe you're wrong, let's figure it out. But I also, like, I want to know it, but also I, I want to come in blind enough that I know, like, that I can allow him to do his thing, if that makes sense. It does, and I, and I don't know if, if you're the same. And and I've talked to some other pastors about this, and I think when you go through a season where you're not preaching consistently or, or maybe you're not in ministry or you're visiting somewhere, it's really easy for us to um, be hypercritical mm-hmm. of whomever's in the pulpit and be like, oh, I'd do this, or I could do that, or I could do this. I'd say this. Well, yeah, no, I uh... – and I, if he's listening, I don't, I don't know if, if Pastor Connor – listens to us um you know there was a there was a few sundays when we first started going you know and i i, I miss being in the pulpit mm-hmm. i do i i miss it um i i long to, to be able to teach and preach i'm just waiting on um you know god to to show me the place that he wants me and 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 what area he wants to use me in and so there were a couple times i'm like i don't know if i'd have handled that this way right so i don't know that i would have I would have said something slightly different. I wasn't uber critical, sure, but I was just thinking like, and I've done that to you. Oh yeah, right? I've said under you, and I'm like, I don't know that I would have presented it that way, right? And and, and, and I do the same I, with you because I'd never, for me, my style, right? I'm not saying that you're wrong, but like, let's say you're uh, when you you talked about, um, you know, disco Jesus when you talked about. I bet you would have never compared Jesus to a disco ball. No, it's but I'm not saying that as a as a an illustration that it's wrong. I it makes sense the way you've presented it. It made me laugh. It was good, but I, that's just, that's definitely not me. Oh right, right. And so I think it's okay to sit back and be like, "Hey, I would have done that a little bit different." Because it, what is it? What different strokes for different folks, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's a place for su- a super scholarly scholarly preaching, 
I think there's a place for down to earth mm-hmm. teaching and preaching. And I think there's a place and I'm somewhere in the middle of down the earth and complete youth pastor moronically. <laughs> um, where where, you know, I'm trying to keep your attention with jokes, but I'm also, you know, um, and I, I'm I'm totally different when I preach to kids than when I do adults, sure. teens and adults, um, obviously. But I still try to sprinkle in my personality, right? And I recognize that my personality and Connor's personality and my personality and your personality aren't the same. And so we're always going to present stuff differently. I well, think and- the point is, it, 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 but I think if we get to the point where we're like, dude, you, you suck. I would do it totally better. That's when the issue comes in. Because I don't necessarily think that my way is better than your way. Right. Right. Because your way fits your personality. Yeah. And I think right? that when we, we say those things, like you just said, so I, I was thinking twofold. I was thinking early on when you said that you don't necessarily our study and what he's preaching through. I was thinking that I wonder if that's an advantage to not, you know, being a, a preacher who's not in a season of preaching, does that help you or help your, your heart to not be hypercritical, right? And I'm not saying that you're a hypercritical person. I just think that, I think that for pastors, it happens, especially when you preach for a while, you'll start looking at it and saying, and then the other thing is, I think that you could preach the same thing four or five, six times and say something, come up with something that you've never said before as an illustration because of the season, um, your audience, the spirit, like first and foremost, how the spirits moved you. So I think, you know, you, you, at some point, you know, I'm going to pick on you some point when you're preaching the transfiguration down the road, you, you might opt for something else. Oh, absolutely. Then Disco Jesus. Um, and for those of you who don't know what Disco Jesus is, I'll drop a link to that sermon if I can find it so you can listen to me make a fool out of myself. But I basically, when Jesus transformed, the kids were trying to figure out, like, what does it mean? And I yeah. thought, have you ever seen a disco ball and yeah. how the light just totally reflects and it's everywhere? That was Jesus. Jesus was a disco ball, only the light was coming from within and not reflecting blacking out. Anyway, long story short, uh, back on topic. I think, though, one of the perks of me not studying what he is preaching is I don't come in again with preconceived notions, and so I I can listen attentively Mm -hmm. without criticism and without... Criticism may be the the wrong word, and it most certainly is, but without preconceived notions, so I can hear what he's saying, Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Instead of, oh, you zigged instead of zagged. Right? Does that make sense? It does. And and I think there's times when, you know, I I have a young man who I'm pouring into who I've given some opportunities to preach. And I think at those times, yes, then I think maybe you need to bring up the you zigged when you should have zagged, right? As a a mentorship kind of thing or an observation. But no, it totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah, that's. But no, preaching the word—that is—that's your job, right? There's other aspects to the job, but that's your job, right? Sure, hospital visits, home visits, loving on people, but if you're not rooted in scripture, you're gonna die. Well, because preaching's where they see you the most. As a pastor, it's oh, what they it's they don't see you at the hospital, they don't see you doing home visits, they don't see you in counseling, but they see you up there, um, you know, for that hour a week, or you know, if you got a couple of services or you know, midweek service or whatever, they see you, and that's what they correlated to. Um, no, you're right. I mean, it's while I think in vocational ministry, preaching is probably 10% of the job in ministry as a job, it is the most visible. It is, and it's a it's a highly important one. It is a oh, absolutely, yeah. It is a task slash burden that is near and dear to our hearts, um, and it is the most precious task slash burden that I think has ever been bestowed on us. 
And I would say if you're right. if you're preaching regularly or even not regularly and you're not preaching the word, um, don't enter the pulpit. No. You know, I think of a couple of things. I think of, I'm going to botch this Calvin quote, but I believe Calvin said he wasn't he wasn't afraid of many things, but he trembled every time he entered God's pulpit. I cannot now. Now I've been so nervous that it's been visible. Now I've I've matured and I've grown, and my you know my nerves have calmed. Sure, but I can't think of a time that I was not nervous. Not that I didn't know my sermon. Not that I didn't know my points. Not that you know that I wasn't prepared. It was the sheer fact of the weight of the task that I have. Oh yeah. It's heavy. Souls are literally on the line. I used to puke today. Yeah. Today could be the day that somebody is rescued from hell. And, and if I'm not, if I'm not in it a hundred percent, and I, you know, and if I say the wrong thing, then that could be the thing that turns somebody off. And we start from ground zero. Mm. And so it's a very, it's a weighty thing. I remember uh, the first sermon I ever preached. I was a junior in high school. And it was this little country church that I was, um, I helped with the music and I would fill in on Wednesday nights when the preacher couldn't be there. It's my Bobby Hill moment. Um, and I can remember walking up in the pulpit and it was, it was, it was national youth Sunday. So like brother George was there. He was just like, Hey, if you, you and some of your friends want to want to lead the service, then it's youth Sunday. You do it. And so, um, I got a buddy of mine to come lead the music, and we couldn't find a piano player, so the normal piano player played. But a buddy of mine from high school, he he led the like we picked out all the hymns together, um, and I you know I preached my sermon. Um, I don't remember what I preached, but I've always been terrified of public speaking, and I yeah, me too. stood up and I could I could stand up and do the welcome. I could stand up and be like, all right, turn your hymns to, you know. Number number I remember this one, it was 165, we'll sing the first, second, and last stanza of Amazing Grace, right? I can do that, no problem. It came time for me to preach. I was sweating profusely, which if you know me, that's not anything out of the ordinary. Um, But I had my little buzzed buzzed Bobby Hill head, so it's very predominant. Uh, And I got Let's Pra, and I passed out. And I like I can't. I came to shortly after. I looked up and there stood Brother George, looking at me. And I was like, uh, "Amen." And then took off and went through my sermon. And it was probably the quickest sermon ever preached. I went fifteen minutes. Um, but yeah, but I think if you're if you go into the pulpit, not nervous, um, not. Frightened isn't the right word, but like, you know, you got to have a healthy fear of God. Yeah. And and what you're saying reminds me of another quote. Richard Baxter said that when you preach, um, you should always preach as it as if it is your last and that you are a dying man preaching to a room of dying men. Which is the most accurate. That ending is the most accurate statement I've ever heard, which is in my pulpit. Every time that I've passed at a church in the pulpit that I have, I've I've written that and somehow tucked that away or made it prominent in the pulpit. It's I look at it every Sunday when I enter the pulpit as a reminder that if I'm not nervous, um, I should be. I feel like I've never heard that quote, and I really like that quote. You preached in my pulpit in Indiana. It was there. I was on an index card. Yeah, so the ironic thing about me, you, you saying that I preached in your pulpit, um, sir, I preached in that pulpit multiple times before you did. I know. I was I was interim of that church 
Um, it was what an experience. Whew. Anyway, flashback. But so now let me, yeah, <laughs> like that really bad Wayne's World scene. <laughs> anyway, so so here, here's a question for you that we can we can suss out quickly. Uh, what are some challenges that pastors face that you think about, and when it comes to preaching the word? And so we could go on for hours on that question. Yeah, we can. I, I think the quick one, so we don't go on for hours, and we could probably break this out even to a series from this topic. I, I think the biggest challenge, I think the biggest challenge is really is is wanting, I don't know any other way to say this, but wanting to be liked, like not wanting to tick off people, right? You don't want to, you don't want to tick off people and they leave, right? The truth hurts. We are living in a culture, particularly, and and I don't even think, I think it's exacerbated in an area of the country where I live, but I think this is the truth across the country, right? That people want their ears tickled. You know, Paul told us it was going to happen, you know, that this is, we're going to come to a time. And so people don't want to hear the word. They want to hear their version of the word or what the, what they think the word should be. So I think you're at a lot of, so I think there's a lot of fear in that. And, that, and that's not just preaching to outsiders. That's preaching to faithful Sunday followers, you know, faithful folks who are there most Sundays, most Sundays a month, you know, are upset. You know, they, I think there's this old joke, right? They teach you, they want you when they're interviewing you, they just say, we just want you to preach the Bible. And then you start preaching through books of the Bible. And when you get to the hard stuff, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you preaching that? So I think the yeah, hardest. Where is the... Go ahead. No, you, I mean, I just think I think that's the hardest part is the biggest challenge is trying, you know, at least in my opinion, for a lot of guys, because um, I'll tell you, I, I mean, I'll be full disclosure, right? I, I dabbled as a third way preacher for a while. I I, I kind of pulled the um, I'm going to maintain orthodoxy, but I was um, probably soft on some things and danced around some other issues and didn't didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to. um you know, rattle that sword because I've been accused of being too fire and brimstone at times. Um, you know, I've been accused of being too reformed at times. And so I did soften and, you know, and even went through, we've talked about this, I think, on, on an early episode, went through a season of deconstruction, um, particularly when I was going through some personal things in my life that I thought that that would help. And it actually made me reconstruct harder. Um, I think culturally, when you look at some 20 years ago or so, right, in, in about 2000, so 23 years ago, the average church in this country ran about 130. Um, so 23 years later, regardless of COVID or not, um, we're running about 65, the average church. And I really think that you're looking at two, a, a generation and a half, you know, half the millennials, half and most of Gen Z they've been inundated by culture and what every wherever they're getting their information right even if, if even if they are getting it from mainstream media but tiktok it, wherever they are on on social media they're getting this that we that those that re- maintain orthodoxy and are faithfully preaching a word hate them we're transphobic we're mm-hmm. homophobic we're misogynistic we hate women we're racist um you know we're, we're colonialist right we're we're patriarchal Um, and it's just not true. Now, is there a church that can be those things? Sure. We're human. I'm sure there are, but that's a, that's a very minute or or very, uh, yeah, I guess minute's the right word. It's a very small example. They're definitely in a minority, but now you have a generation and a half and that's why they're not coming back. So used to be right. You, you graduated high school, you went to college, you got a taste of the world. You walked away from church and you probably came back when you had a kid. Whether you are truly a believer or not, it's what you did because it's how you raised. It's how you were raised. So you're going to raise your kids right. You're going to put them in church. Um, that's not happening because unless you're not faithfully preaching the word, um, you're you're not you're not going to get a lot of those folks. Now God can move their hearts, and and this isn't. I mean, it sounds like a blanket statement. I don't think that an entire generation and a half should be written off. There's definitely there's definitely folks in there who are true believers and I I've known some of them 
I think we've both known some of them, but I think mm-hmm. that's the true challenge is if you're standing in there preaching the word and your congregation dwindles or you're hearing things like, I think you should talk about this, um, you know, and, and your body, your body of believers, your flock is going to bring culture in. They're going to want to bring culture in the pulpit. I mean, I'm, I'm experiencing that now and I'm experiencing that with people who are over 60 years old who want to oh, absolutely. want me to soften and bring in some topics that are not biblical. So I think yeah, that was a long-winded think, answer. I don't know if that really answered your question. No, and I it did. And I think there's some some comfort in it, right? It's so much easier to tell somebody there's no hell. It's so much easier to just say, well, the Bible really doesn't speak to this. Um, and so I'm just not going to talk about it. Or I'm just going to love them where they're at and let them walk through it and and let them deal with it on their own. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. <clears throat> Sometimes Bible thumping does more harm than good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have, you're, you're 100% I right. Have, I, have people, I have people in my life, um, close family member whose lifestyle I don't agree with. I have friends whose lifestyle I don't agree with from a biblical perspective. They know how I feel. They know where I get my beliefs. I don't have to hit them over the head with it every time I see them. No, absolutely not. I don't. Um, I still have great relationships with them. Um, you know, my one of our best friends, mine and Dr. Weiss's best friend, um, holds to some very strong cultural beliefs that are rampant right now. Um, she she knows how I stand, um, and she respects. She, she's I'm one of the few people I think that she respects my viewpoint because of our interactions. Um, and, and so she knows where I come from. She knows that I love her and we're good. Right. But I think this whole, I'm just going to let them deal with it and not, not talk about it. Right. I'm not going to deal with it. And I'm, I'm going to be a soft affirmer. That's where you're doing more harm than good. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the same. Sense. You're doing the same. I mean, would you preach? Would you preach a non-believer to heaven? Would you preach the funeral of a non-believer and preach as if they were in heaven? No. I mean, I've somebody. Well, I haven't done that, but I've preached in those funerals, and you know, I, there's a strong gospel message, but there's never any mention of, well, Billy's in a better place. Well, Billy didn't show any fruit and renounce Jesus two weeks ago. Right, Billy lived right. like I'm, the devil I'm for gonna, 35, I'm not 40 tell years. You that Billy's in heaven. Right. But I mean, I think that's yeah. that's but he's that's a, damaging on the same point because now you're sitting with a bunch of people and we're like, well, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I I ran with Billy. If Billy's there, I'm good. Right. I'm, so I, I think in those circumstances, at that funeral, you preach the word. And I, I think you do it in a loving fashion where you grieve with those people, right? You, you get on their level and you grieve with them over the loss of their friend, over where their friend is either at or is heading, depending on your viewpoint. Um, but I think also the time of redemption is then, right? You give them the opportunity I'm not saying have a full-blown altar call at a at a funeral. That seems weird, although I've seen it done. I've seen it done once, but it was but by the family's to, request, and it worked. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I just, you've got you've to gotta be truthful. And I, 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 I've read scripture, the verses where somebody... Uh, I've had people tell me that there is no hell and they give me these verses to back it up. And I've read those verses and compared them to other verses. And I just, I don't see it. Mm. And sure, the word that 
some of the words that are translated into hell, you know, we can talk about the origins and what they're actually talking about. But I think Jesus was pretty clear. So telling somebody that there's no hell. Or my favorite, there's more to, you know, getting to heaven shouldn't be a priority. We're worried about bringing the new kingdom here. That's that to me sounds like a live your life the way you want to card. Yeah. And, and that, I, I, I question, I question the heart behind that preacher. And and depending on what your eschatology is, re- regardless of what your eschatology is, there are things that need to happen for that to occur. And it isn't by our hand. Yeah. No, you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Like, sure. We can pick up, trash on the side of the road and we can love our neighbors till the cows come home but we aren't bringing the kingdom here so the irony in all that is that i think unless you truly are a a post a post tribulation you know post millennial unless you're a post millennial and and do believe that you know once jesus comes and there's the millennial reign and 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 everything's good right there's 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 a, a it's a solid uh christian foundation on the earth and there's christian rule around the earth i mean you know the funny thing is that a lot of folks who talk about those things are really rampant against christian nationalism and they'll bring up the same three or four um you know they'll, they'll bring up churches that have american flag waving and fireworks on fourth of july and you're singing lee greenwood songs and again those are a minority of churches that do that and 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 even if they do it's always on the fourth of july but those those guys who preach that about let's bring the new kingdom here now they're in essence they're preaching christian nationalism they're preaching the thing that they're railing against on the other side of their mouth because when New Jerusalem and New, you know, comes here, this is going to be a Christian nation. This is going to be a Christian world. It's going to be God reigned. You know, Jesus is going to reign forever and ever and ever. Oh, absolutely. But you know, we can't say that because then we're we're the problem. So, Andy, um, what's uh, how's your life been impacted by preaching the word? Because I think every young preacher, when you were young, right, you you, you could do it better. Or you're going to take risks. Um, you're you, you're going to see. You're going to figure out a new way to do this thing, um, whatever it is. And then I think you know the spirit definitely knocks you down. Or you know if you've got some godly men in your life coaching you, mentoring you, they're going to help you see the light. The Lord's going to definitely help you see the light. But what are some of the things? How's what are some of the things you've learned? What are some of the benefits to your life? How's your life been affected by preaching the word and preaching the word faithfully? I mean, it's definitely been a positive impact. I think I've gotten just as much out of it as as other people, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I've seen the impact of the word. And so this is going to sound rather, look at me. Uh, and I honestly, I don't mean it this way, but I, because when I preach, I recognize that he's not me, right? Sure, I, I am a vessel that, that God is using, but the words that I'm preaching are not my words, correct? You know, um, so I see the impact that, that God's word has on people, right? And then how that causes them to, to think and change viewpoints and love their neighbors and bless other people, which is then in turn, then they come back and they'll, they'll bless me in a certain way or, or something. And so let's go back. Let's look at at that little church in Primera that we both helped out with. Mm -hmm. Right. They, They were stagnant. You know, some people would say it's a hospice church. Uh, Those words have come out of my mouth, but, I, you know, every time you walk in, you just felt something a little different. And then you'd stand in that pulpit and you would preach to those same 10 to 15 people every Sunday night. And they were, the appreciation they had and the intense way that they hung on every word. Not because I am such a great speaker, 
and not because you are such a great speaker. No, they're hungry. Then, they could not get enough. Like I would preach for a solid 45 minutes. And I think if I went, you know, an hour 45, I'd have the same attention span. And um, it showed. And so, it showed because they were they still had a heart to serve their community. And and as an aside, I don't know if you know this, but they have a pastor now. They have a young man with a family. Yes, they've, I saw grown, that. they've grown. They've got a couple of families there. So God's still God's even moving in 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 Sullivan County, I Indiana. I love it. I love it. By the way, continue to pray for that community because of the, the tornado that that went through there a few yeah. weeks ago. Uh, they still got a long road ahead. But um, when we when I first started going, there wasn't a lot of thought of talking to non church people. They were just kind of in the process of waiting for them to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went through a partial study of Acts. We went through the Book of Mark. Um, and then we were starting Romans um, before I left. And, you know, after reading through what the apostles were doing in Acts and, you know, what Jesus was, you know, what he had, had ended with and Mark and um, how, you know, my biggest thing was, yeah, if we only focus on church people, life would be easy. But what about the people that are, when we leave here, they'll be sitting on their front porch with a, you know, Coors Light in their hand with a dip in one side of their mouth and a cigarette hanging off the other, you know, with 15 kids barefoot running through the yard screaming. Well, that house literally was behind the church with. That's that. When I say this, like, I'm not exaggerating. That is. Yeah. I I remember seeing it. Um, What are we doing for them? Not what are we giving them monetarily? Right. Are we offering them friendship? Are we, how can I pray for you? What is it, you know, what is your name? Because nobody knew who they were. And watching them like, hey, uh, I was in, you know, I was in, because the closest grocery store was not in Hymera. So, you know, I was in town the other day and, and I saw somebody and they looked like this. And so I just went up to them and asked them, how I could help them or how I could pray for them. I just want to be a better community member. So, you know, I'm going to go talk to the people across the street or, Hey, I'm going to do this for this person at the gas station. I don't even know who they are. I'm just waiting for somebody to pull up. Mm. Right. And so their mindset started changing to where it wasn't solely about the brothers and sisters, right? It wasn't solely about the saints. It was a community thing. Um, and it started, they started to embrace that and it was a beautiful thing. And I think Amen. watching them, that mind change come through, right. Did just as much for me as it did for them. Well, I think there's faith. If there's faithful preaching of the word, whether you're the preacher or you're the congregant, you're, you're the flock member who's, who's listening to it. I think it opens our eyes. It, it brings us in tune if feel and, and recognize the spirit to see God's hand in our own lives and, and, and in creation all around us where it, it removes the emotions. Not that you can't have emotions through those things, but a lot of times the tickle the ear stuff, right. Is, is a complete emotional response. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I think when you are faithful to the word, it definitely is a more, uh, spirit filled and you're you're open to hearing and, and recognizing the spirit well folks we just we want to invite you to share your own thoughts um whether you are a preacher of the word faithfully um maybe you're not a, a faithful preacher of the word in the way we're talking about it and and you are more topical and emotional than then reach out to us at hill hipster pod on twitter or you can email us um as as my brother Andy likes to say, you can hit us up on the Gmails. Um, oh boy! <laughs> but you can email us at hillhipsterpod at gmail or again Twitter at hillhipsterpod and and let us know what your thoughts are about hearing. Do, do you you know? Would you rather not hear through books of the Bible and 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 get more topical stuff? But what what's your own? How's 
hearing the word preached or preaching the word affected your own lives? Absolutely. Yeah, we we definitely love to hear from you. The the ones that interact with us, um, you know, on social media, I, I know a couple people that that listen that I talk to that, you know, they'll just text me or through some other form of social media will reach out. But I, I definitely like hearing your takes on what we're saying. And don't get me wrong, not everybody agrees with what we're saying. Um, we've gotten books text to us on how we were wrong. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, you can be wrong in your thought process uh, and telling us that we're wrong because we're not. Joke. Just <laughs> laugh at that. Um, but no, we, we welcome the, the feedback. Um, and just like, just like with this, you know, look into what your pastors are saying. I used to tell my youth group all the time. Um, just because I say it doesn't make it true. Amen. So you need to you need to read for yourself, and that way, if I you think I'm saying something screwy, you can ask me about it. And and I got to tell you, if you can't approach your pastor, you know, respectfully yeah. to talk about those things and they're unapproachable, and we'll um, then then you know, pray for pray for your pastor, pray for him, and that's something I want to encourage. Uh, I think Andy and I both encourage uh, everyone out there to. Pray for your pastors. Um, pray for your pastors, especially those who are faithfully preaching the word of God. But pray for your pastor if you feel that they're not to to have their heart moved to begin to faithfully preach the word of God. Absolutely, and I, you know October tends to be Pastor Appreciation Month, um, and you do whatever you do. That's on you. But the um, I believe Spurgeon said it best. And I'm going to paraphrase that I have the exact quote in front of me. There's nothing nicer that anyone, any man could do for me than to pray for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So as a pastor, the greatest thing you could do for your pastor on a daily basis is to pray for them. Yeah. Pray for your pastors. They may not know it. You know, I, I mean, when I was preaching, I assumed I knew, but I may not know exactly who was and who wasn't praying for me, but I promise you, we know when you are. We may not know it's you, but we know when you're praying for it. Right? It, it, there's just something different about it. Um, well, you know, and, I, and I'll say this, and I don't want this to sound prideful at all. This is absolutely nothing to do with me. This is totally God. Um, but I've been pastoring this church now for about seven months. In seven months, faithfully gone through books of the Bible, preaching the word. We're going through Daniel now, and I've encouraged, you know, I, I've been encouraged through prayer and, and, and through my study to encourage them to dare to be like Daniel, to remain steadfast, to dig their heels in, you know, to, to live on the word um, and to be faithful and to know because weird times are coming. Weird times are here. And, and so seven months of preaching through, you know, you know, through with, with exegesis and, and preaching through books of the Bible, um, I, I've seen changes in these folks and some of these folks have been faithful for decades, you know, um, but there's a, there's a change in their health and even in their spiritual maturity because they were so used to um, the salad bar of getting their ears tickled. So if you are preaching the word faithfully, keep on trucking, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, leave... and if, there, if there are ways that we can pray for you specifically, feel free to reach out and let us know. Like, pastors, oh, absolutely. if you're listening to this and you're like, man, this is what's going on in my church. I'm praying for it. You know, my leadership is praying for it, but we just need some, you know, some extra intercession. Like, reach out to us we'd love to pray with you we'd love to pray for you um let us know let us know what's going on amen that's a good word well i'm gonna andy i'm gonna leave my last words gonna be paul uh as he's writing to timothy in second timothy four the first two verses of second timothy four and paul writes in the presence of god and of christ jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in his kingdom I give you this charge. 
Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Amen. He was pretty good with words. <laughs> it's almost like he knew what he was doing. That Paul fellow, he was cool. I don't have anything that can top that. I'm just gonna I'm gonna my last word's gonna be amen. All right, I know it's it's getting late and I gotta find this record stop button. But I love I, you, brother. Do you? Do you? I, I tease because I love. That's right. That is my love language. All right, everybody. <laughs> Don't forget, reach out to us at Hill Hipster Pod on Twitter, hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. Check out etsy.com slash shop slash St. Algano Armory and, and reach out to Keith and the, the fine blacksmith, blacksmith merchandise at St. Algano Armory. You could reach them on Twitter and Instagram at St. Algano. Have a blessed week, Andy. You too, my brother. I love you. Y'all take care. I love you too. Be blessed.